<laughs> in high school, I was the youngest commissioned salesperson for Sears and Roebuck selling women's shoes in Akron, Ohio. Hello and welcome to Profession Session with Brody Vinson, where young entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals come to tell success stories, a little bit about what they do and how they got here. My guest today is Steve Strum of many, many different endeavors. <laughs> He's got a lot of knowledge to share with us today, so we're going to go ahead and get into it. I would like to uh, vote for me to be considered the young professional side, <laughs> uh, so let's let's work with that one, uh, you know, and entrepreneurs too, but yeah, I'll go with young professional. And Steve, I just wanted to say thank you for being here today. Appreciate thank the you opportunity, for joining me. man. Thank you for Absolutely. coming, uh, you know, thank for letting me come down and uh, talk to you a little bit about how I can uh, add value. I think we're going to talk about adding value uh, into your, to your subscribers and your podcast. Awesome. Let's get into it. Yeah. So, uh, I think we were talking a little bit, um, to kick it off maybe, uh, we were yeah, just introduce yourself a little bit, a little bit about what you do, your background and that sure. kind of thing. So, um, I am a couple of different definitions of who I am. So let's talk a little bit about my background. I, uh, I'm a South Floridian. I grew up in Ohio cause that makes a lot of sense. Came back down to Florida as an adult. Um, and academically, um, I've got masters of finance, minor of economics, and actually I, I speak four program, three programming languages. I did a little bit of stuff back in the day with what you probably have seen on Amazon if you've ever looked at uh, Amazon and decided to go shop for a car, and then all you do is see cars in your browser. Uh, so it's a little bit of an interesting um, smorgasbord of uh, my background. But uh, what's really kind of uh, unique and I think purposeful for this podcast is, you know, when people ask me who I am, right, uh, there's four me's, so to speak. So we have known each other for a while. Mm -hmm. And when people come up to me on the street, um, as we were actually in your studio preparing today, I know you have some folks that are doing some photo shoots, they go, you know, who are you? And, you know, we, a lot of times we define ourselves by, you know, who we are by who, what we do. And so oftentimes if somebody goes, well, who are you? Well, I'm a plumber. Great. Um, well, what if my toilet's not broken? Well, then we really don't have anything to talk about. Like, oh, awesome. And you know, I'll give you a call if I ever have a, you know, my toilet stops up or if I ever need to have, you know, some plumbing done. And then you quickly forget about who that person is because you really have about, was it seven seconds to make the first impression? Mm -hmm. And within 60 seconds, people will really understand whether or not you are going to be part of your, their life. And biologically, what happens is, is they move your identity into a different part of their brain. So when people go, hey, Steve, who are you? Uh, well, I, I, I call that the, the four me's story. And, I, you know, I've got a bunch of fun little stories to share today. But when I talk about who I am, people ask me, what do you do professionally? And I'm not a plumber. Uh, but uh, professionally, by trade, um, I serve as a financial advisor through uh, Northwestern Mutual's Wealth Management Company. Uh, but that's not all what I do. Uh, I, I do that um, around the country for a lot of clients, anywhere from you know, entrepreneurs to you know, professionals to uh, business owners and attorneys and stuff like that. Uh, but that's only one of the four things that when people ask me, they go, hey, Steve, what do you do? Well, I'm four different people. Ha, ha, ha. And they said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, you know, I serve Northwestern Mutual, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I also host a TV show in Jacksonville called The Jacksonville Buzz. And, of course, everybody assumes it's a show about financial planning. And I even make the point of saying, well, actually, in this show – uh, I don't talk one word about financial planning. The premise of the show is basically helping entrepreneurs, charities, um, military-owned businesses to highlight their story. And I also use the opportunity to tell them, uh, and I think you know this, but I, I don't get paid for that. I actually donate my time. Um, when it goes back to who I was, uh, part of the financial services world, previous to uh, my service at Northwestern, I was the um, interim president of a bank in the downturn, which we will talk about personal branding in 2008 and how that changed everything. But uh, I was on boards, a lot of boards. But when you become you know, um, a partner of a financial firm and you're on a bunch of boards and somebody calls you and they say, you know, uh, I need to talk about you know, whatever's going on in the market and you're in a board meeting for a charity, that's okay. But if they call you again and you're in another board meeting, eventually you're no longer going to be part of their decision matrix if they need you. So I had to stop being, I had to deboard myself mm -hmm. is the term that I guess we used. So what I did was I started filming this TV show. Uh, one of the companies that I, I do their, their retirement planning for, uh, there was an event we did downtown Jacksonville with the arts, and there was a video that my son and I shot many years ago that went viral, and I was asked to host this TV show. 
And I asked the producer, I said, well, what's it about? And of course he said, I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. So they kind of just reached out to you because you had shown that you could take something I, viral. I went, I did this video. It was back when Facebook did the little photos and then it kind of made that little cute video with the fun music. I mean, this yeah. was cutting edge in yeah. 2016, right? Basically uh, making a TikTok all I, the way back, back then. Back before TikTok <laughs> existed. Uh, right. So I saw this video with Stevie and I walking around downtown taking, taking pictures of arts and it went viral. You know, it was viewed thousands of times in... Um, in, uh, in 24 hours, I get this call and they're like, hey, we saw you on the internet. Uh, we saw you on the web. And I was like, you know, my first thought was, oh boy, cops. <laughs> uh, I had even gotten a phone call from my corporate office because I had tagged, you know, our, my organization. They thought I hijacked the Facebook page. Uh, because, you know, you know, when you tag it and you have the, the, the way that you can embed the different um, uh, hashtags and the ads and all that stuff, anytime somebody shared it, liked it, looked at it, it went, and it just kind of went everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I get this call. So I started filming this TV show about six years ago. Average shelf life for a TV show host is about three years. For some reason, they still want to keep me on. I think some of it is that um, they never know what I'm going to say. Yeah. They, they always have that. You keep right, them guessing. What's going to come out of this guy's mouth next? So, uh, so I started filming the TV show as a way to give back to the community, which is interesting because it's helped build that personal brand. Um, we actually have branded uh, hashtag Steve Strum. Uh, we did all kinds of different testing for that, but really people, you know, Steve, first name, Strum, last name, very simple. Uh, and anytime we would put that stuff out, people would, you know, hashtag Steve Strum thing. Great uh, alliteration there. It, it is, right? And, and we've done all kinds of weird stuff. One time we had a bit where every Friday I would wear a different pair of socks and, <laughs> you know, people would start bringing socks into the TV show because they were like, where are these socks? My favorite one ever is I have a pair of pink butterfly kitties I think it's from Forever 21. Uh, local business owner was like, you're never going to wear that. And I said, oh, I'm going to wear that twice and take pictures. Um, so Steve's from the four me's, right? So financial guy, TV show host guy. Uh, I also do a lot of speaking engagements. Um, so, you know, because of some of my academic pedigree, um, certain organizations uh, for a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer, they need educational credits for stuff. And so um, kind of dovetailing the Steve Strum financial guy into speaking guy, uh, if you're a lawyer, chances are you're coming out of uh, school with uh, possibly $250,000 of debt yeah, um, or, or more if, in mm -hmm. case, you know, in some cases. Um, so I went to some of the board accreditation places and um, I asked, I said, you know, I do these speaking engagements and they made them uh, what are called credit worthy. And so I do a lot of speaking engagements and I, you know, I do a lot of events and, uh, you know, I invite people that are based off of who would be interested in those things. And we talk about relevant things, whether it's debt management, what's going on in the economy, uh, business planning, all kinds of different stuff. And then uh, I also have a lot of work that I do in philanthropic and charitable organizations. I actually own a piece of a philanthropic organization. So when people ask me who I am, the four me's would be financial guy, TV show host guy, speaking guy, and then charity guy. And then I make a joke at the end and say, yeah, I want to make a bunch of money and give it all away. Because uh, whenever we do these events or anything that we do, it's always for free. Mm -hmm. And any money that we do make, we always give towards charity, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And and what that does is that gives you some relevance. Because it, you know, if somebody comes up to you and say, well, what do you do? I'm financial advisor. Well, I don't need financial advice, right? Do you ever want to buy the, do you want to buy the warranty on the TV? I don't think anybody's ever said yes, yeah. right? But, uh, you know, it, it, I don't need a financial guy. Great, no problem. Uh, or, hey, I host a TV show. Well, I don't want to be on TV. Okay, no problem. Uh, I do these speaking events. Well, okay, well, I don't care about those. Okay, no problem. I do a lot of charitable stuff. One of those four buckets, and I don't do it because I want people to like me. I do it because those are like the right things to do. Mm -hmm. um, just recently, I was at a charity event, and um, the young lady, they sponsor, you know, when you do the, um, the silent auctions, um, they do like the trips to like, you know, uh, Venice for a week right. or, or something like that. And what they, you know, she came up to me and, um, and, uh, I was there and, uh, and had made a comment about, wow, you know, your philanthropic stuff is amazing. And all I did was I connected her to another charitable organization for kids cancer that was looking for somebody to do trips. Yeah. So it was very interesting. So yeah, so those are four me's. That's awesome. So really you're just, you're kind of putting yourself out there in a bunch of different ways and, opening yourself up to just a large involvement in the community is what I kind of got as the common denominator there. Yeah. I don't try to sell anybody anything ever, you know, cause I'm sure everybody here who's listening to this podcast has gotten a call from that guy or girl, mm -hmm. uh, in the financial services space that says, Hey, I got this best mousetrap and you know, how fast can you hang up the phone? Ha 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 ha. I don't want people to associate who I am with just that part because there's mm -hmm. so much more that we do for a community. And, you know, oftentimes, um, people define themselves by what's on their business card. Mm -hmm. And I know we were talking in, you know, in show prep for this. Uh, in another lifetime, going back to the, the Steve's um, technological side, 
I work for a little telecom company called Sprint. And we designed some really cool things. We designed nights and weekends at seven. Now, nowadays, that's no big deal. But back when minutes mattered, that was really cool. That was like yeah. world changing. Camera phones, internet phone, you know, the, the wireless modem stuff. And I had gotten so ingrained with that branding that if I ever left that organization, nobody would know who I was. And, in a, and a lot of people saw that happen in, uh, in 2008 when the financial crisis hit. And, you know, record unemployment, and, you know, we can debate on how you wanted to count unemployment, but what people really found was that if they didn't have a personal brand, right, whether, whether or not you work in telecom, financial services, a plumber, if you did not have that personal brand, and now many organizations were just gone, you know, Wachovia, a bank that mm -hmm. everybody knew, gone. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you've associated your name with that. And to the extent that you don't have a personal identity, how are you going to be able to find somebody to consider your skill set for their organization? Right. Because you were associated with something that has gone out of business uh, all of you, a sudden. Right. You know, I could I could have changed my name to Steve Sprint. You know, it would have been great. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, when I when I uh, when I came to Jacksonville, I was actually working on the uh, the merger between Sprint and Nextel. Uh, and after that, that tour of duty was done, I was kind of like a fix-it guy. And I, I was in grad school, and I got recruited into the banking industry. If I would not have had that personal brand, that opportunity may not have ever existed because they were like, well, we know that you represent this company. However, we also are very impressed by what you did to help our company. Yeah. And so it doesn't mean because you have a brand organization that you, know, that you are part of, it does, doesn't mean that you have to be mutually exclusive. You can be, you know, Brody Vincent as a brand name. Brody Vincent can also work for a company, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people discovered that, you know, in that financial crisis, that if they didn't have a personal brand, they needed to get one because people had defined themselves by what was on their business card. Well, it's something, your personal brand, you know, is it's something you can always fall back on. No that's matter right. what happens, it's always there. You're, you're always going to be you, so you can always fall back on that and build on that and take it in different directions. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about some of your strategies for building your personal brand and what that looks like for you. Well, I think the biggest thing, uh, that's a great question. I think the biggest part when I discovered it, and again, it's an evolution, I'm always learning and you know, the, the case principle for any of our marketing majors, copy and steal everything. Um, <laughs> case principle, right? Uh, and uh, you know, one of the things that I learned early on uh, in my career uh, was the difference between a relationship and a transaction. Yep. So let's just put the, you know, Steve Strum financial guy's hat on for a second. And I, hey, Brody, I'm Steve Strum financial guy. You want yourself some sort of financial product, five stocks, bonds, mutual funds, investments, insurance, and you're not in the market for that. Well, that now becomes the limit by which our, our relationship, you know, you have now put me into a category of your brain going, okay, this is what Steve does. I don't know, need what Steve does. Maybe I might need what he needs later, but not right now. Therefore, I'm just, you know, we have so many things that are, in, you know, that are for us to process today that all of a sudden we now have, you know, chucked that out of our memory bank, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't need you now. I'll need you at some point. And then 15 other people do the same thing, come in, and then you got to remember who I was. Whereas building a relationship, right? And so when you build a relationship with somebody, whenever I, whenever I get a referral to somebody, in whichever way that that is, whether it's a speaking, financial stuff, TV show, charitable stuff, I always call them and I always say the same thing. I said, hi, you know, Brody, this is Steve Strum. Uh, you know, your buddy Andy referred me to you. Uh, I don't know if you need what I do or not, but I would just like to, you know, get on your calendar, learn about who you are, tell you about what I do, and if I can be a resource for you. That's yeah. literally what I say. I don't say, hey, I host TV shows. Would you like to be on it? Hey, you want to buy some inv investment stuff? Uh, you want to do a speaking engagement? How about some charity events? I don't say that. And people are already, they are developed designed and sensitive to the pitch. Yeah. And so I call people and I don't pitch them anything. And then they say, well, wait a minute. Okay, Steve Trump, I don't know who you are, but I know who Andy was. Okay, so that's cool. Uh, Andy's a good guy. He's my business partner. He's my friend, you know, whatever, college buddy. Got it. Uh, well, what do you do, right? Mm -hmm. And then I tell them, I said, well, you know, ha, 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 ha. There's a four few things. And I get into the four things. And I said, well, you know, the purpose of the call is really not to, you know, to, to sell you anything or pitch anything. It's just really about understanding who you are and can I build a relationship uh, to where I can add value to you or you can add value to me? And it, and it usually comes in three ways, right? Mm -hmm. Usually it comes in something, uh, hey, Steve, I want to be a, a client or a guest or whatever, or I don't. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, you know what? I don't want to be a client or a guest, but I'd really like to learn more about who you are as a person. And, you know, maybe we can introduce people to each other. Who yeah. knows? You know, you never know how that works. Uh, and then sometimes it's a little bit of both. Where it's a lot different is people really get focused so heavily on um, making sure that their value proposition for whatever their transaction is going to be, yep. that if it's not the transaction, then there's nothing. Exactly. So, yep. So, Another thing we were kind of talking about a little bit off air is some of the prep work that you do yes. going into that initial meeting. I'd like to get into that a little bit because you had a really good strategy that you were talking I, about. I can't take credit for that. Uh, I, I do. Well, maybe I, can, I can't take credit for the implementation. It was a cool idea uh, that uh, that we came up with. And again, it's just taking little bits and pieces of what I've learned over the last 25 years in business. Um, I go to a meeting with somebody. Now, whenever you start a meeting with somebody, and uh, I've not been perfect with this over the years, and uh, you go to a company and they go, so tell me about my company, and you didn't do the research. You're like, uh, you you could start stumbling, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever I get an appointment with somebody, and I don't know what way it's going to end up. Are they going to be a client? Are they going to show? We don't know what's going to happen. And I don't try to go with an agenda because you never know what's on their mind. Mm -hmm. So in prep for it, what I do, is I use several different platforms to try to get, I guess, what one would call a dossier. So I will go, uh, and my team helps me with this, so we, we definitely need to give them some love. Um, and I, I do want to touch on your team a little bit okay. later because I you will, have a really great way of I, running your team. I, I do. I, they run me. Uh, you know, my, <laughs> my, my job is to basically just not get in trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll definitely talk about that for sure for the team. Uh, one of the things that we talk about, though, and so I'll make sure I'll make a note here real quick to make sure not to forget the team, uh, because they are critical in this uh, mm-hmm. and how we have it set up. Uh, but how I do it, so or how the team does it, I go meet with a client. And let's just say that you own um, a law practice that does personal injury law. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a good one. And um, so the first thing is I know that you're on the Florida Bar website. Yep. which you can just go into, log into, and find out all kinds of stuff where you used to work and all that other stuff. I also go and log into uh, LinkedIn. I pay for Sales Navigator, which I'm, you know, you're pro- probably um, familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, also with Spokio, uh, Facebook, Instagram. I, I'm probably on about six, seven, eight different platforms. And what I do is I do kind of like this market research. Yep. So if you're an attorney and you're a PI attorney, you probably are, you also know other PI attorneys that I might know or that I might want to know. Yeah. You also would probably want to be introduced to somebody who does physical therapy or a doctor or Mm -hmm. a chiropractor. There's, you know, there's there's the lawyer market and then there's all these other businesses that serve the lawyer market. Yep. So what I do is I go in and we do some research and I kind of get this top 10 list, if if the best way to say that. And, you know, I, I walk into the meeting and when I had that phone call with them, you know, and I say this be a resource business and they're trying to kind of put their arms around what does that resource mean? Uh, and I kind of reference, you know, there's a lot of people that I know in your field that you know in my field, et cetera, et cetera, that might be, you know, valuable to be introduced to. When we meet, I'd love to walk you through some of these folks that are on the radar. And I also preface it, you know, the first time I'm doing it, I'm looking out of my window, so I may not know. But if you do it right between SalesNav and some of the other platforms that are out there, you can create a list that's about 70% accurate. Now, whether or not I know them or you know them is not the point. It's these are people in our bubble of life that one of the two of us or both of us may know or want to know. And I come in there and I say, okay, here are, you know, here's 10, 20 people that are out there that are probably great people to be introduced to. There's some people on this list that you want to know. There's some people on this list that probably I want to know. And we actually spend time talking about that. And they're like, wow, you know, I I didn't realize that, you know, I need, I probably do need to meet this person. And uh, and then, of course, you know, oh, yeah, I know, you know, Bob or Tom or Dick or Harry. And, you know, I'd love to introduce you. And it helps to build that relationship with somebody because it's helping them with what they want, right? Help, you know, there's a, a guy by the name of Zig Ziglar who's, you know, famous for saying, if oh, you, yeah. you know, you help people uh, get what they want, you'll get what you want. Yeah. And I've always come from the service side of not trying to pitch people and, you know, not trying to be a salesy guy and just try to add value. You know, the other side of it too, and you walk in and you've done that research, people look at you with a little bit more esteem because you took a minute. Yeah. You know, how long does it take to go and find, you know, go through the algorithms and chug, 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 spit out, you know, a list of 10, 20 people, a little bit of background about their business. But you come to a meeting and you go, oh, well, you know, I see that before here you worked for the Florida Supreme Court. And before this, you went to this law school and blah, 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 blah. And by the way, here's some people that have already done some research on that we talked about on the phone call. They're like, wow, 
that's pretty cool. You know, they even whether or not they become a client, friend, or this is the first time you've ever met them, their their knowledge and your reputation will be such that they will have some level of respect for it. Even if there's no relationship, you took the time to do it. It shows at the very least that you really value their time. That is and correct. That you're taking and that they don't want to waste seriously. it. Right, because time mm-hmm. is money, you know, Absolutely. And especially if you own a business. Now, one other thing that you wanted to touch on, I remember we were kind of talking about off air, is just the concept of being the obvious choice. Could you explain? Yes, the, obvi- the obvious choice. So uh, another, another word I stole from somebody else many years ago. So let's say that you work in a corporate setting, mm-hmm. right? You're a W-2 employee for a technology company, and there's a promotion, okay? And, um, or maybe an opportunity to be an owner. You know, because, you know, these tech companies, I mean, we're sitting in a tech company right now. Uh, you guys are doing awesome in building this thing. You know, what happens if you want to bring on, and right now we're, you know, you guys have your stuff going on, but what if you want to bring on partners, employees or whatever, and you want to promote them? So the obvious choice. In the world, um, a lot of people have kind of shifted from pay me and then I'll show you. Mm-hmm. Where, and, and whereas um, a lot of uh, employers, promotions, partners, et cetera, they're more of the, show me and then I'll pay you. Right. And so there's a, there's a middle ground, right? Cause Mm -hmm. you come in and you've got the, you know, the pedigree, if you're, you know, Michael Jordan and you you went to North Carolina and you know, you go to the bulls and the, uh, was the second pick of the, of the draft that year, which was interesting. Portland missed on that one. Uh, I would say, uh, but, uh, you know, if you're Michael Jordan, you're coming in, obviously, you know, you get a little respect there, but just because you were a Michael Jordan type of person does not mean that he didn't put in the work. Yep. You know, I mean, think about Michael Jordan's arguably one of the best basketball players ever to live. He still had a coach. Yeah. I mean, can Phil Jackson take him one on one? Probably not. But, you know, he still was humble enough to understand that he could learn. Mm -hmm. So when I say to be the obvious choice, uh, wherever I've gone in my career, my 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 first professional experience. uh, This is a very interesting thing that you may not expect. Uh, (laughs) I. uh, in high school, I was the youngest commission salesperson for Sears and Roebuck selling women's shoes in Akron, Ohio. What? True story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How did you get into that? Uh, yeah, no, I it, it, I stumbled across it. I literally stumbled across this opportunity. And it's interesting because anytime I hear of anybody, I interview people, uh, and they tell me that they used to sell shoes, it tells me a lot about them. Because somebody comes in, a young lady comes in, and she goes, yeah, I need a red shoe in size eight. And you're looking at her foot, and you're like, there's no way that's a size 8 in any planet. Uh, you need to help them understand that maybe they don't want the red shoe in size 8, but they wanted the blue shoe in 9.5 because it runs big. Right? Uh, or, you know what I mean? Okay. So you got to think on your feet. Uh, and, I, and I actually put myself through school going there, and then I kind of worked through a, a couple of different jobs. And, and then when I got my first big opportunity, I actually ran my family business, which is commercial flooring in South Florida. Uh, I've always been a shirt and tie guy. So just imagine the outfit that I'm in. If you guys see this on uh, video, you'll see that I'm in a suit. Audio, I'm in a suit. Uh, <laughs> imagine that in uh, in in uh, South Florida in August without air conditioning and a carpet mill. Oof. And uh, I learned a lot of valuable life lessons there. Yeah. And uh, there's two gentlemen, Wes and Kenny Kemp. They were brothers. And uh, they used to tell me two things. And I'm quoting. So this is uh, definitely something that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I went to school and I went to college and all that fun stuff. They, I don't know if they graduated high school type thing. Right. And they're like, you know, you might be Joe college, um, but you don't know, uh, you don't know shit. So, uh, sorry for using that word. It's quote, that is under a quote. So, uh, and, then they, and, and then they used to also call me Nassatol. Um, I'm a little thin guy. So, uh, they, you know, Nassatol would be short for no ass at all. And, uh, <laughs> right. And, and so they would combine it and they would, you know, you might be Joe college. Hey, Nassatol, you might be Joe college, but you don't know shit. <laughs> and I learned more about running a company from those two gentlemen, um, than any book I could have ever read. And it was the thing that was like, Steve, you work your tail off. You don't brag. Uh, bringing a little Peyton Manning, right? Peyton Manning was famous for saying, you know, when a, when a quarterback t- t- scores a touchdown, what would he always do? He would just give the ball back to the ref and walk to the sidelines, and you see all these other guys you know, going crazy on the, you know, doing the dances. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked him one time, we said, why do you do that? And like, well, you know, act like you've been there before yeah. and act like you'll be there again. Yep. So the obvious choice is you work your butt off, you stay humble, but you work hard. And your efforts are what shows, and when you come to that opportunity for promotion – and, and or even a partnership, you become that obvious choice where it's like, well, you know, whether you're not or you get it due to political things is always debatable. But, you know, it's like, OK, well, here's Steve. He's obviously the choice that he is the best by heads and, you know, heads, heads above the rest. 
whether or not you get it or not, at least you can now know that your competency and your business acumen is not going to be questioned. Now it becomes part of potential political stuff, which is a whole other conversation. But by being that obvious choice, it gives you the best opportunity to succeed, especially in business today. I love that. So we were talking a little bit about personal brand and building a relationship versus transactions, right? And so a lot of people asked me, they said, Steve, you meet with a lot of people. Um, and I've even received some criticism in my career for this, um, that I, uh, I meet with a ton of people and I'm not always walking out with a piece of paper, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I explained to people, I said, you know, not everybody is going to be your client every time. Right. And there's two reactions that happen when you walk into a room. And so what would those two be? Run as fast as you can <laughs> in the opposite direction. Or, uh, you know, I'm going to come up and give you a hug. Or now, you know, it's COVID, so maybe a toe tap. But, um, you know, <laughs> one of the things that I have learned is that, and it kind of goes back to the conversation we were having earlier uh, about the relationship versus transaction. And if I have pegged my entire value proposition with Brody on whether or not there's a transaction in front of us, whether I'm buying something from you or you're buying something from me, and if neither one of the two of us are buying what you're selling, we have zero relationship. If and that's the basis for the interaction the in the first and, and, place. And, and if you think about it, right, so Brody's got this company, and you know Brody thinks that this is the best thing that he's, you know, that's out there, right, or else he wouldn't have started it. It's not like you're going to start a company and you know, have a business and say, well, this is a bad idea. Let's do that. Uh, and, of course, I think that my thing's the best thing because why else would I do that, right? It makes no sense. You're not going to sell a product or try to get into a business that you don't love uh, or that you don't think you're the best at. So if I come to you and I, you know, and we start talking about, you know, whether it's financial products or digital media services and, uh, you know, whether the two of us are not in the market, the person that's getting shut down in that transaction versus relationship, they might get a little upset. Yeah. You know, like, what do you mean you don't need, you know, the Brody Vinson, you know, razzmatazz in the digital marketing? Well, you're some kind of idiot. You know, and you may not say that to them, but in the back of your mind, you're like, well, this is the best thing ever. And this is going to solve every problem that you've ever had. I know this because this is what I do. The person's not ready for it. And that may create some animosity. Mm -hmm. So then you and I go, you know, we go to a charity event or there's some sort of something, you know, sports, concert, whatever. And, uh, and a lot of times because of the different circles that we run, there may be some sort of a, a pre-party or something ahead of the actual event where they have a reception for a hundred of your closest friends. You walk into the room and you will have two reactions. If you went down the road of getting in a huff because somebody didn't want to do business with you, uh, they're not going to talk to you. They are literally going to pretend like you are invisible and do not exist. And it's very strange mm -hmm. because you see them, you know who they are, they know who you are, you make that weird eye contact. They might be sitting with some of your other clients and then you walk up and it's weird. So now what does that do to your reputation? So if they're sitting there with five of their friends and they're like in this weird, I don't want to pretend like we had a conversation because it was uncomfortable, so I'm going to avoid you. And they're sitting with five people that do business with you. Well, what? not only what does that person think, but what do the other five people, they're like, okay, something didn't go right. right. Uh, and you know what? It does happen. You know, there are people do fall out of love when it comes to business relationships. It, it, it happens. But it doesn't you know, have to happen in the beginning. The other opportunity that you have there is if you built something that's not necessarily just transactional. You know, if I met with Brody and I'm babble, 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 you want to buy my stuff? And you're like, no, hey, you know what? That's great. If you're ever in the market for stuff, you know, maybe you'll think of me kindly and I'll give you a call in a year, you know? Yeah. And what would people go, yeah, sure, that's no problem. Because it takes the pressure off, right? Mm -hmm. And then you see that person uh, and you haven't called them back yet or you have and it's just their timing wasn't right. You know, they're going to come up to you and they're going to say, hey, you know what? I really appreciate the way you handled that. I got referred to you. I wasn't sure if I was ready for it. And I might be ready for it now. Yeah. But then also, if even if they're still not ready for it and even if they have somebody else that they decided to do business with because that's important for them, uh, they're going to feel a lot more comfortable with you and may not run up and give you a hug, but you know, they're not going to also, they're not going to run away from you yeah. and, and it, cause it can hurt your reputation big time, especially in some, you know, we're in a very large planet, but it's a very small world and digital media has done nothing but shrink that. Yeah. You know, there are forums out there that you see all the time where people are given opinion about this, that, or the other. And, you know, in some cases, if you look at some of the, you know, the celebrity divorces, uh, lately, uh, you know, that has ruined careers. So Johnny Depp lately. Is that's a, that's what I was. That's what I was thinking about. Mr. Looking like it's going his way a little that, bit. Yeah, now, but. Miss Heard allegedly uh, pooping on his pillow. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, that was very interesting. So, but no, it, the reputation risk out there is is huge, and everybody knows so much about you before you walk in the door. The last thing you want to have is where somebody's going to run from you because you were being that guy. Yeah.
And just focus on, on the transaction, you mean? Well, and, and it doesn't, yeah. And so whenever I meet with people, um, one of the other things that we were chatting a little bit earlier in the sh- in the podcast was, you know, about my prepare- preparation and my networking and all that stuff, right? Yes. So one, one of the things that I do that's a little different is I will have these purposeful meetings called strategic partner meetings. Now, mm-hmm. People want to call them different things. Um, I don't like to use them as referral meetings because it sounds like there's some expectation to give something, right. um, even though a lot of times there are referrals that are given. I use it more as strategic partner meeting, and I will literally have uh, a meeting with either a friend, a client, former client, somebody I know, somebody that I respect in the, in the industry that will never be a client, and any one of the four things that I do, I'll have a meeting with them, and I'll just pick their brain and say, hey, this is kind of what I'm looking to do. Um, you know, get some feedback on career advice, get some feedback depending upon who you meet with, right? Um, and I have these strategic partner meetings and the goal and the purpose of that meeting is to transact exactly $0 of business. And I even set that up when when people are like, I'm never going to be your client. I'm never going to go on the TV show. I don't care about anything you do, but I heard that you're a really great person. What are we going to do? I said, well, what, let's go have lunch and let's go have a meeting and let's talk about nothing that's going to transact any business on either side. And let's just talk about how we can partner with each other strategically Mm -hmm. in order to help build each other's businesses. And think about if you're a business owner, if you're a construction guy or a lawyer, or if you're a medical practice, you know, how great is that? Because if you've got a great network, right, and I've been doing this every, you know, every day for the last, oh gosh, 15 years, um, you know, I got a gigantic network. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people look at that, you know, you and I were talking like, man, you know, anybody that you introduce me to is always a quality person. Absolutely. Well, I, and, and I appreciate that feedback. Thank you. But those quality of people aren't people that I've just developed over the last year. You know, a lot of folks that I work with in, you know, professional business, you know, I, uh, in the professional business that I serve, in the professional business that you're in, you know, you need accounting, you need, you know, legal advice, you need business advice, you need suppliers, you need this, you need, there's all these things that you need. And over time, I have met people that I have had done business with or have done business with other clients, and I kind of have them on this little, this little tick list. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, well, here's the top 10 people. If you go, hey, man, I need a mortgage. I got the person for you. Hey, mm-hmm. man, I need a lawyer. What kind of lawyer? I have, you know, people, people for you. And of course, I got to send you a couple of people so you can make your own decision. But I've got this group of people that I know do quality work. Mm-hmm. And then you said, hey, I need a tax guy. Hey, here's a couple of tax people. You're like, wow, this is the best thing ever. What does that do about my relationship with you? So having these strategic partner meetings are critical, it, regardless of what business you're in. It doesn't have to be financial services. It doesn't have to be digital media. You know, we're in the business of building relationships. Yep. You know, relationships lead to transactions. If you go to you know, the whole sales funnel, right? Um, you know, the, nobody's going to buy your product or service unless they know you exist. And if you meet with somebody and you tell them what they do and you're not in the, you know, in the market for it, they at least know who you are. Mm-hmm. And then you at least become part of that funnel as to whether or not they're going to make a decision to buy something from you at some point in time now or in the future. But if you burn them to just make sure that you're getting your widget sold uh, now and they don't buy your widget you've got no chance. So you've got about a 10% conversion rate on any new client, regardless of industry, generally speaking. But if you do it where you're building it through strategic partnerships and relationships, that, that number triples, you know? And so if you talk to, you know, 100 people and 30 people care what you have to say, and you probably bring on, I don't know, 5, 10 clients uh, now, but what happens to the other 20 to 30 clients that were least interested, but maybe not ready? Mm-hmm. If you burn those people, they're never going to talk to you ever again. And they're never going to refer you to anybody, and they're never going to have lunch with you to discuss strategic partners. So anyway, that's a. It's all about focusing on the bigger picture. It is, and you know, uh, I just try to focus on how I can add value. I never, I really, I get up every day. I was, I was talking to one of my colleagues this morning um, about you know the monotony of business. Sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. You meet with somebody, you do a plan of some type, sort from you bring them on as a client, you keep them on as a client, you go through some issues. You know, you love each other, you don't love each other. There's a lifetime of a client, right? And so you know, depending upon you know what type of industry you're in. It could be a 90-day time frame, like if in a real estate transaction, right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of love in a 90-day period. But right. you've consummated a deal, you've bought or sold a widget, uh, being a house, sometimes the largest financial product that people buy. Uh, but then in, unless you need to buy something else, it's, uh, you know, that business has concluded. Right. But if you have a relationship with that person, then you'd be like, hey, you know what? I've got a question about exactly. uh, rentals or whatever. In technology... You know, it's an ongoing relationship. You don't buy a technology platform, firewall service, or anything like that with somebody, buy it, never talk to them again. They're protecting your data. Mm -hmm. So whether or not it's more on the transactional side or more on the ongoing relations side, 
if you build the business model around how you can help other people get there, they're going to love you. And if you don't torch them because they're not ready to buy, you're going to increase your sales 20 to 30%. Now, it may not be tomorrow. It might take three to five years, but you're not building a business to build a business and run. Hopefully you have a business exactly. in perpetuity. Yeah. And so now as I'm in this, uh, in the, in the career of a business owner, um, gosh, uh, 17 years in the financial services universe by one way or another. Um, you know, one of the things that's happened is, you know, if you think about a 30 year career, um, then this is always a, a fun conversation and this is definitely a soundbite, uh, for, for a post later. Uh, so let's assume that we have a, t- a 30 year career, mm-hmm. right? And let's say that we build it the right way. Okay. We build it with the relationships. We don't build it transactional. We're not doing the scorched earth, burn the planet. If you don't want to be my client conversations and you built this reputation. So the first 10 years of your career, you kind of, um, you kind of eat crap, right? Uh, you know, it's just the way it is. Um, you know, I know we're going to talk about my team here in a minute, uh, which I'm very proud of, but, um, I took a risk, you know, I, I went out and I built, I built a bit, I built a team. I built a big mm-hmm. team. I mean, that's overhead, man. That's me. Um, you know, and uh, I got to make sure that no matter what happens, you know, pandemic happens, financial crisis happens, this happens, that happens, you know, there's families that depend upon that check clearing, you know? Uh, so I took a risk there, but when you build it, that first 10 years is you just eat a lot of crap and, um, you know, you got to go through that box of pain. Um, now you can shorten that by how hard you want to work. But, you know, if you look at the first 10 years in the 30 year career, 10 years eat crap. Well, the second 10 years, well, guess what? You still get to eat crap, mm-hmm. but you get to choose the crap you eat, right? Cause you do have now that reputation that you've built over the last decade where people will come to you. Yeah. And, and then in the last 10 years, you know, you have kind of like that liquidity event. Mm-hmm. Now, is it always 10 years? Not necessarily. It could be five years. Different business models have different timelines, but it's always going to be that same thing. That first third of your business is really going to be a lot of stress. Uh, that second year still stress, but the stress is different. Um, and it's easier to handle some of that stress when, when you got a couple more zeros, but, uh, it's still stressful. And then you finally get to that last third of your career and, you know, maybe you're bringing on, um, you know, the next person. I know we were talking offline of a gentleman that I had on the TV show mm-hmm. that does what you do, but he's in his sixties. Yeah. I still don't understand everything you do. Cause you know, what you do amazes me. It's like, <laughs> what is this wizardry? <laughs> but, you know, and, and I'm, I'm watching this guy on the show, uh, you know, I've been all over the world today. And, you know, and, you know this is local time, uh, not even noon yet. And, uh, you know, I've been to Mexico uh, digitally, Arkansas, Jacksonville. And uh, so I, I, today was, you know, today was a film day for the show. So that's where that comes from. But I'm listening to this gentleman and I'm going, gosh, I am probably never going to have this guy as a client ever, you know, ever, 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 ever. But this guy would really enjoy a dialogue with Brody because mm-hmm. his whole thing was, he even said it on the show, I have made my money. I do a lot of digital media with power brands like Walmart and Target and Netflix, et cetera. And I am now trying to give to that young gener- younger generation in digital media. And I'm sitting there thinking, going, you know, I'm, I'm wired up, very similar to here. I had a little earpiece in strapped into the microphone. And I'm sitting there going, gosh, you know, I'm about to go ahead to this podcast and I'm coming with an introduction for the person hosting the podcast that does what I what he does, but is you know 40 years his senior who could learn a lot of stuff and maybe partner. Absolutely, pretty cool, right? Yeah. It has nothing to do with you ever becoming a client or he ever becoming a client. It has everything to do with connecting people because it's the right way to do it. So you can shorten that duration of that pain, right? Doesn't have to be 10, 10, and 10. Um, you know, and it kind of goes for me. It went to the, the team that you wanted to talk about. Uh, what questions do you have about the team? Because I got a whole, you know, I'm sure we can run this thing out with the team conversation because, uh, you know, I constantly am trying to keep myself out of trouble. Well, yeah, I've just observed with working with you, you have at least at least two assistants that I deal with or have dealt with. And you have this kind of team that you've built around you that seems to really help you just facilitate a lot more of everything that you do in a really smooth way where you seem to always have time to prepare the right way and do the things you need to and like to do the right way. And you just got this great team. So I'd like to start with how you first started building out that team and sure. kind of the, the journey of building out that team. And what's that, what that looked it like? It was, it was it, so I, and I appreciate that. And, and behalf of, you know, on behalf of them, um, I thank you for that feedback. It's been a continuous, um, evolution. I would say that, um, you know, I, uh, um, I am a member of a really great team. When you look at your revenue per hour, right? It's how, you know, how you have to look at that. And, you know, everybody thinks revenue and 
uh, for those on audio, uh, think about like your normal, you know, sign chart with the X and the Y and, you know, it kind of goes, everything goes like this, right? It's kind of got that, that 90, de- uh, 45, upward slope. The 45 degree upward angle of revenue, right? Mm-hmm. You're one so much, you're two so much. And so what a lot of people don't realize is it's not like that. It's more like stairway, right? Yeah. You know, you make those jumps and every now and then you get the opportunity to make a big jump. And so the stairs on that platform represent revenue and cost. Mm-hmm. And so when I first started, I did everything, right? I did every application. I did every you know phone call. Um, and what I realized was is that I had a certain amount of earning potential, revenue potential, client service potential per hour over a given year. Yep. And um, you know what I did was I, I hired a part-time person. I actually borrowed hours from another uh, another person, another advisor, and uh, and I and I used you know ten or twenty hours, and what I realized pretty quickly there was you know and that person basically processed the paperwork, and I realized one I'm not great at paperwork, uh, two my handwriting is terrible, and there were more issues with my processing of paperwork than should have been for bringing a person on board, so what I realized and some of this was in the banking industry was you know. Whatever you're, whatever you're great at, do, mm. and whatever you're not great at, hire it out, right? Yeah. But I've done every function. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to sit around and tell people what to do. I've done everything. It's not something that, you know, I would never ask anybody to do anything that I have not done before. And I think that's an important note because if you don't know how to do it, at the very least, there's no way that you could properly delegate someone or even keep track of whether it's being done right by that person. Well, uh, another funny story, uh, right? This goes back to the sprint days. Um, when I first started my career at Sprint, I was uh, in charge of retail stores before I started going into some of the cool product development stuff. And whenever I would go into it, so my job was to fix a store. Mm-hmm. I'd go in with the team and, you know, sales were down, this was down, that up, down, left, right. And I would always have, we'd have a first, the first meeting, right? And it's always that weird icebreaker thing. It's a true story. I would have the first meeting in the bathroom. And my first meetings, first mid, just true, yeah. And, and and so you know, the restroom in a in a retail establishment is generally not the cleanest place. Right. Um, I would literally my first agenda item on the meetings is I would clean the toilet. That is the absolute grossest job you can do in a retail job. Clean the bathroom, and we didn't even clean the bathroom. We had I other people I see clean where the bathroom. You're going with this, right? And and the whole thing was, you know, guys, I am willing to do everything, the dirtiest jobs. I'm not just going to be that because people come in, they go, oh, there he is, right? This, you know, the new, the new boss comes in and all, you know, what, what's he going to, you know, what's going to happen? I humbled myself enough to clean the toilet. Mm-hmm. But it also sent a message to the team saying, hey, guys, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do. And I'm going to do the nastiest thing we can possibly imagine in this store. Yeah. I need your help. We're going to work together, right? Because you can get a lot of, you can get really fast and go, you know, on your own, but you can go really far together. Yeah. So it's always about team, right? So I've always had this team. So I hired a part-time person. And I literally, uh, she would have a little sign on her desk when, uh, when I was not to bother her. I still have it yeah. today. It says, do not bother me. <laughs> it's a little, it's a, it's a little, little picture and she would put it on the desk and, and that would be my trigger going, Steve's got to go to the right. Can't talk to her now. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and so what I found was I gave the paperwork that 20 hours of a week of, of, and that cost money to pay for somebody. But for that 20 hours, what was I able to do? I was able to go out and see another client. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of evolved. So we've got a team of, we've got two people who kind of run our office, run paperwork, client relations, stuff like that. Um, I have somebody who then helps also with scheduling, which I know, mm-hmm. Jesse, uh, she's awesome, the most wonderful person you'll ever talk to, but darn it all, you will text for, with her. Yeah. Uh, and, and she's kind of a bit of a taskmaster and she kind of an organizational type person. And, you know, she literally, um, you know, has sat me down with the team before um, and, and they will block the door. And we will, we sit down, we have dedicated time every Monday, uh, which I'm always trying to reschedule and and they never let me, um, from like 9am till noon on a Monday, three hours. And all we do is talk about what's going on, assignments, clients, issues, scheduling, what's coming around the bend, what are we getting ready? Is it perfect? No, but every week we have that opportunity and then we kind of go through an agenda and say, okay, you know, um, so Kim, Angie, and Jesse are the three big, the, the, the primary team members. All right, Angie's got to do this. Jesse's got to do this. Kim's got to do this. Um, now, outside of that team, I have some other different analysts that I do from a revenue sharing perspective. So I've got some cost containment there. And so what I've done is I built a team because what's my biggest value for a client? My biggest value for a client 
is being able to talk to them, and if you go into the financial services universe, about all this weird stuff that's going on, right? Mm -hmm. And um, they want to know that I know what's going on. Yeah. Now, you never know what question they're going to ask, right? There's going to be you know, 5,000 different data bits that you see on the news media, and they're going to ask about one, and you better, better, you better be ready for all 5,000. Um, but because I have the team, I could take the time to do that. And if a client has a concern, they will call Jesse and get on the calendar and, you know, I'll have the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. Whereas if the client had the problem, so we're sitting here doing a podcast for an hour-ish, right? Mm -hmm. um, and how would you feel on the value of our time together if I, and I have my phone down here, if I'm checking my phone, right? Or if I'm answering a text message about a schedule, well, what if you're a client? And now I'm meeting with you and I'm having this conversation with you. And then I got to go check my phone and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is my time. Why exactly. are you playing with your phone? So by having a team that kind of has this well-oiled machine, you know, we know the process of Steve's going to call somebody, schedule an appointment. I'm probably going to mess it up on Outlook. Jesse's going to fix it. <laughs> uh, Jesse's then going to confirm it. Then I meet with the client, you know, whether or not they want to be a client or not. And then they kind of go through the process of onboarding. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you know, by specialization, um, you know, and, and by having everybody that kind of knows their role, what that does is it allows us to have a better experience for the client. But what's most important too is, you know, I'm dealing, you know, in the Steve Strom financial stuff with people's money. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of regulation and compliance. And so we also don't want to have an engine that's run loose with one guy just sitting there firing, like, you know, calling shots in the in the corner of the office. Um, and, and now, you know, we open something up and, you know, many years later, that person has a problem and, you know, whether it's a state problem, tax problem, whatever, we want to make sure that we're not just delivering value for the clients on experience, but the stuff that we're promising has to actually be delivered. And some of those things may not even be delivered by me. Mm -hmm. I mean, shoot, I've got clients that are kids that are doing college savings and they're like two. And, uh, you know, chances are by the time they retire, I'm going to be dead. Right. And so we even have, um, you know, some um, transitional plans in there. Mm -hmm. So that way they're, you know, no matter what happens to me, you know, the goal is I, I, I want to not get hit by a bus. But if I did, you know, there's a system of perpetuity built in that even if I get knocked out of the game, the clients aren't going to suffer. This reminds me of conversations we've had about different things. Um, you mentioned a couple of times we talked about the key man factor. I feel like mm -hmm. that's a very important thing that you're talking about there because really it is a business that you've built. Yes. And you're building something very much more sustainable there because you are not, you're not making it something that depends entirely on you. I'd like to talk about that framework that we've talked about a couple of times sure. where you're talking about, you know, the one to 10 scale of, you know, when you're thinking about selling a business, what that multiplier, you remember... Sure. Yeah. So, um, so what happens is, uh, especially in the service industry today, um, you know, the services, this is a service industry we're in, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm sitting in this wonderful facility, you know, you've got some really cool equipment. Um, you got a door over there. That's awesome. Uh, probably all back. thanks to Andy Varnes. That's by the right. Way. Yes. Mr. Varnes, I walked into your studio. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, you probably have a toilet, you know, it's great. And it flushes. And if it doesn't flush, we get a plumber to bring us back to the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> um, but that's not the value of your company. Uh, the value of your company is not the table that we're sitting on, right? The, t the value of the company is not whatever these buttons are over here that I'll never understand. Um, but the value of this company is the service that you provide somebody, right? Mm -hmm. And how do you put a value on a service that is not something that you can see, touch, or feel? So a lot of times in businesses, there's there's kind of like these three ways that you look at the value of a company. So the first one is, um, you know, I'm a dentist, and I have a dental chair. My buddy sold his dental office for a million dollars, so my business must be worth a million dollars. You know, that's what people look at. Uh, if you are a table manufacturer and you manufacture these tables and let's say it costs the table a thousand dollars to manufacture and you sell it for two, well, that's pretty easy to value the company. Services, however, are different. So it's a, it's a percentage of your revenue, um, you know, called EBITDA, uh, earnings before interest, tax, and depreciation, and it's a multiplier. So on the one to 10 thing, right? Mm -hmm. So on a scale of one, so let's say that your, your, your company generates um, $100,000 profit a year, just as a, as a number. Or a million, you know, pick your poison. So let's use 100000 And if you're one dentist with one dental chair, it's a one. Because dentist is gone, you don't have a practice, right? It's gone. On the 10 side is think of like, you know, a major builder. Toll Brothers here is in Jacksonville. Um, if one of the Toll Brothers, which probably don't even swing a hammer anymore, mm -hmm. goes away, um, that company is going to be fine. So that's on a 10 scale. 
Yeah. And most businesses are somewhere in that four to six range. And, you know, what are the things that are pieces that really are of concern with businesses owners, right? And so there is the, um, you know, what happens if you and I are in business together and I die, right? What happens to my business? And, you know, what happens if uh, if I become disabled? And now you're like, well, gosh, I, I don't want to keep paying Steve for sitting in the corner drooling. Um, what do you do there? Um, you know, what happens if, uh, if I get divorced? Uh, are you now 25% business owner with my former spouse, which probably doesn't like you very much? Uh, they might even know you, but they knew me, and then you, know, you don't get you know, divorced because things are working great. Uh, so what happens when you get divorced? How do you protect against that? Um, you know, what happens if uh, your business partner goes bankrupt and our you know, friendly neighborhood IRS agent comes in and says, hey, he owns half this business? Uh, and then what happens when I want to sell it, right? So uh, I always talk about these boogeymen in business going, well, what happens if you become you know, those five things I just mentioned? You know, uh, but people always ask me, like, well, what happens if uh, something happens to you, Steve? And I actually have an answer for that. I said, well, if something happens to me, uh, then, you know, depending upon where you are geographically, because I've got colleagues around the country, uh, then this person over here, if you're in Houston, uh, Mark's going to give you a call. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're in New York, Quinny is going to give you a call. And so we have built these associations loosely formed to where there's always going to be a level of perpetuity because, I mean, Brody, you're in your mid-20s, single, no kids, Right. Um, let's say in 10 years, you finally get around to having family. If that's something that's on your to-do list, you know, procreation and marital bliss is up to you. <laughs> but <laughs> it, what would happen if, uh, you know, you have kids and they want to go to college and, you know, let's see, I'm 45 now, so that would make me 55. And uh, I'm probably going to be close to being out of the business or expired by the time the promises I'm making your children that are 10 years from being born are going to, you know, take advantage of, you know, that kind of a thing. And so people are really worried about in business, well, what happens if XYZ person goes away? Construction company, what happens if the guy whose name's on the door goes away? And far too often do people find themselves in a situation where their, it goes all the way back to that brand. Mm -hmm. Their name becomes their brand. They're the chief hammer swinger. What happens if something happens to them and they haven't built in any systems of perpetuity? Not only are they done, but all the sacrifices that they made for their family is completely changed. And now they got to decide whether or not they're going to have to sell their house in order to pay for medical bills. So I know we talked a lot about a, a lot of different stuff, mostly network. I feel like networking is an area where you shine a lot. One thing we haven't discussed quite as much that I'd like to just get a maybe a couple quick tips on. Um, you obviously are on the financial side as yep. well. That's your, your kind of main area of trade. I'd like to get maybe just three tips for a, a young person in the financial arena? Um, sure. So uh, on that, obviously, everybody's stuff's a little different. But if you were to have three kind of best practices, the first thing I would offer to people is pay yourself first, right? Um, all debt is not bad, but be careful. You know, don't go buying a bunch of stuff on credit cards that you don't need. Um, and then, uh, just really have, have a plan, you know, um, a lot of people that I, that I work with, um, it's, uh, it's not so much the, what stuff do we purchase for them, but how does it fit into their plan? So if you pay yourself first, always pay yourself 10, 10% if you can first put it somewhere, uh, doesn't matter, uh, that those pennies will adapt to dollars or some kind of savings vehicle, something, right. Uh, anything, um, when um, when I first uh, started doing this stuff, that was one of the things a lot of people really really appreciated that you know pay yourself first and even if it's not stuff that you that, that I do for people you know if it's their stuff at their company they're still paying themselves first um, having a plan absolutely important um, and then just be mindful about about debt load absolutely a little bit's good but you don't want to yeah. take uh, yeah, on you know, too if much you go, if, you to, if you go to law school right you're going to go in the hole for two fifty but you know that gives you a ticket to earn two fifty every year. It's good stuff. It's good. It's investing in yourself. Absolutely. Yes, sir. So going back to what you said, uh, you said something about, you know, when you were first getting started, that was uh, something people liked. One question I always really like to ask everyone is if there was maybe a few things that you could go back in time and tell your past self when you were first getting into this industry, you know, everyone learns stuff the hard way over those years of being in the industry. What are maybe a few things you would tell your past self when you're getting into the industry? to just do a little bit better or to avoid to to know and to be able to experience it a little bit better and a little more efficiently sure so um i think one of the big things is um uh, if i had to do it all over again um i would have probably started sooner 
you know, I, uh, I had, uh, in order to get to where I'm at in this career, um, I had, uh, you know, let's see, I started in my early 30s, um, you know, on, you know, at Northwestern. Uh, I started in my late 20s at the banking industry. Uh, I actually had the opportunity to do this um, back in 2000 in Miami. And if there was one thing that I would have told myself is, you know what, you should have taken that opportunity. But having said that, everything happens for a reason, a purpose, right? In exactly the right order. Uh, if I would have taken that opportunity back then, well, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now because a series of events that led us to us, us having this opportunity to have this sit down today would have been different if I would have done that. Uh, but yeah, if I, if anything, I would have, um, you know, if I could have added 10 years, you know, onto this career, that would have been really cool. Um, but again, everything happened exactly the right way. Uh, the other thing I would tell myself would be, don't be such a harsh critic, right? People mess up and mm -hmm. you don't have to be Mr. Perfect all the time. And, uh, one of the things that I would oftentimes get stressed out about, and I, and I still do sometimes is when I meet with somebody and I think I've got the best thing since sliced bread. And it's like, how would you not want to be, you know, a client of mine? And, and they say no. And it, it's, it, it's one of the things that nobody ever likes to be told no, but some people will, some people won't, somebody's waiting, you know, it's okay. Uh, but I would, I would definitely tell myself to get, you know, not beat myself up uh, so much about that. Those are probably so, the top two things. So get in there. If you're thinking about doing something, get in it now because you'll regret not doing it you sooner will. in the future. And don't be such a harsh critic on yourself. And listen to the people more And you know, this is, you know, I did, this is one of the things that I would affirm myself uh, coming in is um, don't try to recreate the wheel, right? If you have a mentor, if you have somebody and I have several people that I, that I have that I met that mentor me and I have people that I'm now in this part of the career that I have an opportunity to mentor and, you know, having somebody who's been there, done that, who's kind of gone through the battlefield and come out, um, you know, those people have a lot of words of wisdom. Now, they may not practice the same methodology of business because things have changed over you know course of time, but they do have value, right? And there's always tried and true lessons. That is, there. there is. There, you know, the, the reason that, uh, that the wheel still exists is a pretty darn good idea, yeah. you know, uh, much better than a triangle. But um, anyway, so when you look at that, right, if you started early, you take the jump. If you have a flavor for entrepreneurial stuff, it's scary. It's terrifying, right? Um, I would offer whether you're young or old, right, if you can have the opportunity to do it wherever you are in your career and it's something you want to do. Um, you know, there's a great quote um, from Theodore Roosevelt that is actually one of my favorites. And it's actually on the screen of my phone, of my iPad here. And, awesome. and, it, and, and so basically what it is, is it talks about, so this is kind of a, a, the rationale behind, um, you know, being a business and, you know, why to do it. So in 1918, I believe, um, Theodore Roosevelt was speaking in Paris, France to uh, the Parisian government uh, about this guy named Adolf Hitler. And uh, please don't let Adolf Hitler come and, you know, do your thing. And so what he talks about in this, and I'll just read a little quote of it, says, um, uh, right. So uh, the credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, who actually started the business, who faces marred by dust, sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again. But there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But those who actually strive to do the deeds, the one who does it with great enthusiasm, who at the worst, if he fails, at least failed while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never knew victory nor defeat. Now, wow, right, Theodore Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, if you ever come to my office, it's in four foot letters on my wall. Basically, it's hey, you know what? If you're going to do it and you fail, it's better than if you've never done anything and you know now you're the guy that says, oh, I wish I could have, could have, would have done it. You know, you people should all over themselves all the time. I should have done this. I should have done that. Um, for anybody who's out there entrepreneurial, do it, fail, get back up, fail again, learn, right, learn from somebody else. Um, because if you do it and you show up you're better than 80% of the population. Wow. On that note, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Just yep. get out there and do it. Do something, figure out how not to do it before you're going to figure out to do it. We all make mistakes. You know, it's part of the human condition. It's whether or not you learn from them that what counts the most. 
awesome. Well, Steve, thank you again so much Absolutely. for being on here. This has been incredible. I think we're going to get a lot of value out of this. I appreciate the opportunity. And anytime you want to come by the show and we'll do a little spot on Buzz Jacksonville Buzz, man, we'd love to have you. Be happy to. Awesome. awesome. Well, this has been Profession Session, where young entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals come to tell their stories. My guest has been Steve Strum of Buzz Jacksonville, uh, Northwestern Mutual, and many other philanthropic endeavors, and just one of the best networkers I've ever had the pleasure of talking to. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Thanks for watching Profession Session. I'm your host, Brody Vincent. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, or TikTok at Profession Session on all channels. You can also find my guest from this episode at the tag and details of this post. Stay tuned for new episodes and short little clips of deep dives into specific topics across all of our channels. If you know a young standout professional business owner or entrepreneur with a unique or interesting story, DM us anywhere and let us know, and they may be the next to tell it here on Profession Session. Until next time, stay focused, stay hustling, and stay networking. This has been Profession Session.